eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. to the full 10 yards college football podcast uh, back first podcast after the national championship game where Alabama overcame Ohio State much to the delight of one of our podcasters I'm sure um but yeah we'll touch upon that but then first and foremost we'll touch on that sorry and then our main point of the show today this is a great start isn't it and our main topic of the show today will be a mock draft our first post-season post regular season anyway mock draft of the year Obviously, we'll be hitting you with a few of these as the off-season goes on. Uh, we've got all five of us on, uh, full house today, joined by Kieran, Rob, uh, Andy and Liam. And we're going to bring you all of our picks, kind of divided it up as always. And uh, yeah, give you, some, give you some of our best picks and see if you disagree with them, see if you agree with them. Guys, we'll bring you in first, bring you into some national championship debate and uh, discussion. Um, Kieran, we'll start with you, actually. You obviously pretty much uh, enjoyed this one as much as possible. Look, uh, what what were the words I used? I said, I, I hope Alabama buries Ohio State in the flipping dirt. And they did. Ohio State, look, I'm not going to crap all over Justin Fields. He looked terrible, but, it, you know, he was playing against probably the best defense in college football. Uh, and I think this Alabama team, this could be a shock for some of you hearing me say this. I think this Alabama team honestly gives last year's LSU team a run for the money because it's a complete team. Now, I didn't think much of Mac Jones going into the season. I thought they should have gone with uh, Bryce Young over him at the quarterback position. He's a better dual threat, can run the ball better. But I could eat my words about him being a game manager. Five touchdowns, 464 yards, ridiculous completion percentage. And uh, I know he's thrown to a Heisman Trophy wide receiver, but, you know, Alabama beat the hell out of him. And I, Karma, I believe in Karma a lot more now. You are recording this, Lee. Yeah, I, yeah, we've got a little we'll, comment. We'll okay. it. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to clip it and use it at <laughs> a, a later date uh, to, to be announced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, to be fair, I, I think I saw a couple of people sort of uh, making the question at least, or, t- or at least asking the question. Um, yeah, it's a good debate, actually, because this Alabama think, team is very, very good. I think that LSU team still beats them by two scores, but it'd be a lot closer than it was uh, us <laughs> versus Clemson, the number one ranked team in the country at that point. So, you know. Hmm. I don't know. Less of you then. Your, your bias has returned, it seems. Um, Liam, what did you think of this game? Did you think it was a fair reflection in the end? I did. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. My sleeping pattern has just got back on track after staying up and watching it. Um, it I'm pleased Kieran brought up the comparison with LSU because I was I was going to make it as well, especially from the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, they were they were great. They were great on all and better on all fronts than the number of records, both team and individually, that they set in the game kind of says it all. Mm. Yeah, Andy, what, what impressed you about Alabama or what didn't impress you about Ohio State for this one? Uh, I just think it's the, the two weapons that we're going to see uh, go in the, you know, the top end of the draft. It's it just uh, unstoppable, aren't they, really? Harrison uh, Smith and uh, like nothing at all could stop uh, Harris on the day. I thought that interview afterwards was quite good that he said they played really hard. Uh, he said they played really well on, 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 the, on the defensive line, but still couldn't get anywhere near him. Uh, I think he's, for me, moved 
into a clear, um, you know, running back one in this group. I've got all the respect in the world for Travis Etienne, but um, Harris is just a bit of a different game. The, the kind of hands, are, and um, I said it a couple of weeks ago, but he looks like a tight end, like when ass catching tight end when he's uh, utilising that side of the game. So, yeah, like really impressive. Um, but what, one thing I was just going to quickly mention was that um, I think, I think the, 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 the final itself had... Um, lower viewing numbers than the two semi-finals and it was probably one of the like least watched um uh, finals in recent memory so quite interesting that um are people bored of the same old teams uh was it an inevitable uh outcome before it started uh or was it just an act like you know just the fact that it's on a monday night which always seems rather stupid to me anyway but uh but yeah that's that's a point for discussion yeah definitely i, I wasn't actually aware of that but yeah it is um it's interesting i mean as much as you know the same old teams, and you can only really play for five teams to, to you know to have a chance to win a championship kind of thing. I guess they are just that good, aren't they? You know, it's it's that is the pinnacle of the college game, unfortunately, and it is the same repetitive teams over and over. But yeah, the Monday night thing is definitely a point. I don't understand why you have the whole season playing on a Saturday predominantly, and then your finals always on a Monday. It doesn't make sense. You know, you, I suppose it's, it doesn't it doesn't clash with the NFL playoffs, but. Stick on the Friday then, isn't it? Put it on yeah, Friday yeah, that'd be, be, much, that'd be much, better, better, wouldn't it? much better for us yeah. as well over in the UK as well. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> it's really difficult for us to watch it um, in in this country as well, when especially because it's on such early hours of the morning on the, on a Monday morning. Rob, bring you in because obviously offensive-minded guy. There was some real good. I know guys touched on it already, but there's real good offensive production on both sides of the yeah. ball, really, in some senses. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, like Andy said, I mean, Nigel Harris, only, only 3.6 yards per carry, which is probably a, a, lead, a, a season low for him, actually. Still two touchdowns, still look great, still look athletic, still bounced into the end zone, still jumping into the end zone. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, what else can you, what else can you say about Devonta Smith? I mean, you're in the college playoff final and you're putting up 215 receiving yards and three touchdowns. That, you know, that's... that's uh, it's different gravy. Like, I think uh, coming into draft season, and obviously we're going to touch on this today and, and throughout the scouting podcast, I know it's all an added spot. I was very boyish on Jerry Judy this time last year uh, because he was Bama's number one receiver. And he ended up going to Denver, which is, you know, I said it on the day, I was absolutely gutted that Denver picked him up because I thought it was a bad landing spot. And he hasn't been that great this year. Um, I think he flashed at the end of the season and maybe he will have a you know productive season, a productive career. But Devonta Smith, you're really sort of hoping that he's going to go to one of these teams that, you know, he's going to be utilised. Maybe like a Philadelphia even, you know, they've got some a good young quarterback or they need receivers. So you want him to land in a decent spot so you can continue this trajectory of just blowing everyone away. Because it's just, it's great to watch. It's really great to watch. Um, other side of the the ball, um, Garrett Wilson looks like he's going to be a player next year. Um, he looks solid. Obviously, we're expecting Chris Olave to, to end at the draft and Jamie Ruggert as well. So there's some, I think it'll be the Garrett Wilson show with um, the other young lad there who name escapes me, had a good week a couple of weeks ago. Um don't think he played just uh, in the championship game, but uh, they've got some couple of really good. Uh, Justin Fleming just come to me. Um, they've got some really good receivers there. Um, but yeah, it was all about Devonta Smith and Nigel Harris, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And hasn't all the season been just that? Yeah, um, and, and Mac Jones. We've got we've got to mention Mac Jones for that. You know, four hundred and sixty-four yards, five touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, again, another superb performance and a guy who's kind of really grown from this time last year when he was kind of deputising for two towards the end of the season and then obviously came in for the start, or as you say, 
few people asking for Bryce Young to play, as Kieran mentioned before, and then just made the role his own. And he's uh, really vaulted himself up a lot of boards. And, and obviously, we'll, we'll touch upon him, I'm sure, in the scouting yeah. podcast when we when we hit QBs. Yep. Kieran, what do you want to say, mate? You had your hand up for a while there. Yeah, my, literally my only concern with Devonta Smith is his frame. Now, I know it affects his speed, but I think he needs to pack on maybe 10, 15 pounds of muscle because it looks like if he gets hit by like a big linebacker, like an Isaiah Simmons type, or, you know, even if he bounces into the secondary and gets hit by a Jamal Adams type of dude, it looks like it could break him. Now, I know it's not been a concern so far in college football. I know he's taken big hits, but just at the next level, everyone's bigger, everyone's badder, and everyone's faster. So I feel like it would be beneficial for him to pack on a little bit of muscle in the offseason just so he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, he certainly is very, very light, isn't he? He, um, in a way, I know he's, I know he is smaller than this player that I'm going to mention, but he really reminds me of Odell Beckham in a lot of ways. Um, his, his, his catching ability, his electricity that he runs with, and also being that small framed receiver as well. No, I'm, I am making obviously Devonta Smith. He's much smaller than Odell, but just reminds me of that sort of person. Oh, his personality is a big thing for me and a big thing a lot of teams are going to look at, which I like from him a lot more over Odell. He's a very respectable young man and a lot of the things he says, like in the post-game interview when he was like, oh, you made it look easy. He's like, that was not easy. Like I was trying my hardest out there and they, they you know, they, they were working too. So I like that he's very humble. In the off season, he's been calling up guys like Ocho Cinco to like get tips and how I can be better, what I need to do when I'm stepping up to the pros. So I really like it. He's a very humble uh, player and a student of the game, which is, you know, it's going to go a long way for him when he comes to the next level. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was meaning more he's, he's on-field play rather than his personality. Um, but yeah, no good shout. Uh, another name just to throw out there as a comp for Devontae Smith is Marvin Harrison, the old Colts receiver, just based on his... It, it just reminds me of the same kind of cons on his, his physique and how thin he was. They were kind of thrown at, at Harrison when he came out and then the uh, career that he went on to have. Um, I also just uh, wanted to give props for how um, Bama dealt uh, off the field as well. The coaching just outcoached Ohio State. Uh, there were times when like uh, Smith was lined up against uh, linebackers and just just never going to stop, never going to stop him in, in that scenario. And um, And both... Pre-game, post-game, Nick Saban was obviously in a very good place. He was much more cheery and smiley before the game, in uh, which kind of instantly gave me the thought that okay, yeah, he know he knows they're going to put up a lot of points here. There's there's obviously <laughs> a lot of positivity going on around here. It was unlike him to be kind of joking and jovial on the on the sideline, and then post-game he seemed very uh, emotional about the whole thing. Um, and now seven national championships for him as well, which is pretty impressive, whatever you think about him. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Alabama taking home another national championship. Obviously, like you say, Nick Saban. Uh, you know, <laughs> he'll need another hand for his rings now, won't he? He'll need another... You know, he could go on again, couldn't he? He doesn't seem to want to stop. He seems to have an appetite to go on and just carry on and just keep doing it. I saw something interesting on like Nick Saban. Someone posted in one of the Facebook groups on um, NFL UK about why isn't Nick Saban in, in the pros? Why is he not? How on earth is this guy not an NFL coach? It's like, to be honest with you, he's, he's probably got the best job in the in the country. <laughs> yeah. He's probably on more he money than he was in the NFL. Yeah, he was in the NFL. He's probably on more money at Alabama. He loses one game every two years, and he's got these star-studded freak athletes year in year out. 
why would you want to leave? I, I certainly wouldn't. And I think if he ever did leave, slash retires, whatever, I think there'd be head coaches in the NFL interested in that job. Mm. Yeah, He's got the personality for, for college and their, kind of, their recruiting side of it and the personable side of, of coaching youth and college students. So There's always the, the sound, sound bites of him every now and then kind of making really good points and sticking up for for guys that are having to play at that age and that level. And I think it, it seems to just suit him a lot more. Yeah, I think like I think that's a really good point. I think NFL coaches would probably want to step down because Nick Saban at the minute, you know, we talk about big fishes and small ponds and things like that. Nick Saban is a Moby Dick, like of the college football. Do you know what I mean? He's not even a fish, like at this point. Like, why would he want to step up into an environment that he's not even like, you know, he's not been in for, for however many years since he was at Miami. Why would you want to do that? There's no reason for him to do that at all, I don't think. No, no. And that answered the question. And there was loads of people that said that on the comments. Like, you wouldn't want to leave Alabama. Why would you? You know, you, yeah. you're winning national titles every two years. Like I said, you're losing one game every two years. Uh, it's all made for you. And yeah, he's probably on more money. So he's, mm. he's got the literally the best job in this sport. Yeah, potentially. Kieran, did you want to make a final point there, mate? Yeah, I was about to say, he's also got the advantage of you know, when he went into Alabama, it, it hadn't really been glorious since the Bear Bryant days. And he bought him, you know, his first two seasons there weren't amazing. And now he's got it to a point where the recruiting does itself almost. He'd be like, if you if you go up to a five-star recruit, hey, do you want to play for Alabama? And potentially, you know, most of the kids who've been there for three years have won a national title or two. Like if you say to a kid, hey, you want to win a national title, be on TV every single week and potentially go first round in the draft just because of the school you're at. Yeah, the the recruiting does itself (laughs) at that point. It's like Lamborghini. Lamborghini don't put adverts on TV because everyone knows what the hell a Lamborghini is. Yeah, very true. Very true. So yeah, another another year, another Alabama national championship. Um, And as I said, you know, we've got a few Alabama players in our first round mock that we're going to go through. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether the likes of Devonta Smith and and uh, the rest of them all end up. Um, but yeah, what we did was we just divide, divided up the first round between the five of us. It's not quite equal, but uh, yeah, pretty much there. All picking for our teams in the first round that we all support as well. So, Kieran, you're on the clock with the Jags. Uh, with the first overall pick, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. I think this makes the most sense because they are in big rebuild mode right now. They, And this is the first piece you want to grab for your rebuild. Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent and they would be absolutely sick with themselves if they missed out on this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a ready-made pick, isn't it? I think uh, it's been nailed on for how many years? Three, four, five. <laughs> Ever since Thanks he took the starting job off Kelly Bryant, I think everyone said he was going to be a top draft pick. I think it was before that, I'd th- I say. Um, but yeah, um, oh, I, I won't, you know, won't pick you up too much on it. But yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a home run pick, isn't it really? Is it? It's got all the call marks of a player that's going to be um, long for the NFL. Uh, so it's me up next with the Jets. And um, I'm not part of Liam's uh, Sam Darnold fan club. I'm going to take Justin Fields for the Jets, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to trade Sam Darnold probably if it was my if it was my show and trade Sam Darnold, get another second day pick for him, and just start fresh. It's probably good for Sam Darnold as well, actually. Um, you know, mobile quarterback. We've talked many a time about mobile quarterbacks uh, being kind of the future. You no, know, Justin Fields got his kinks, as Kieran mentioned earlier on. Maybe didn't have the best night on Monday night 
But there's a lot to work with. He's a very, very good moldable ball of clay that you can throw in, make your franchise quarterback out of. And it's a new era in New York, hopefully for a, a decent head coach, because otherwise they're just going to be whipping boys of that conference, uh, sorry, that uh, division even more as they have been for a few years. Fields over Wilson? Yeah, I just think um, with, the, with the mobility, I know Zach Wilson's not exactly a statue, but uh, as much as... You know, Zach Wilson's had a great season and, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't wait too long to come off the board. But yeah, I just think, yeah, Justin Fields got that pedigree, been around big programs. It's a bit more of a safer pick, I would say, rather than Zach Wilson, who's kind of had one season, even though it's been a great season. Although, you know, in a COVID affected season, you know, not playing the best schedule. But yeah, I would say Justin Fields at this point for me is still QB2, but it's getting ever closer, I'd say. Do you put any stock into the, you know, uh, history of OSU quarterbacks coming through the league? No, not at all. Don't scout the, the helmet. Scout the player. So, Andy, you're up with the Dolphins at number three. Still can't believe Jamar Chase didn't go first overall this time. <laughs> that was uh, that was what we were all waiting for, wasn't it? Remember <laughs> when uh, Gardner Minchie was the was the future at the start of the season? Anyway, um, uh, Pedai Saul uh, for the Dolphins, which is um, probably slightly different to what the fan base wants to hear at the moment, and they all want to hear uh, Devonta Smith come off the board. But for me, um, the whole idea of Tua is to kind of stick around uh, and give him the protection um, and the kind of drop off between the second, uh, sorry, the tackle that we're likely to get at 18 compared to the drop-off uh, the wide receiver we like to get 18 is greater for me. So I want to take the take the, the premier tackle in the draft. I want to protect Tua's uh, blind side, so move Saul over to right tackle, keep last year's first round uh, pick, Austin Jackson, out at left tackle, uh, and just make sure he's got time in the pocket because um, Dolphins' offensive line, much improved this year, must say, still ranked 29th in the league. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign of, of where we need to improve. So, yeah, that, that's an easy pick for me. Um, premier talent and uh, protect the franchise quarterback. And then pick up weapons later, right, I guess? Yeah, sure. You'll see that as we go, I think. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Liam, you're up with the Falcons at number four. Uh, number four overall, the Atlanta Falcons are going to take uh, Mika Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. Um, the most, um, the uh, guy that can play the most number of linebacker positions among the top prospects, I think, in the linebacker class. And there's a few holes. It's quite a big area, I think, for the Falcons to uh, improve on. Um, yeah, looking at the depth chart, they, they really need help there. And uh, in the recent years, I think linebacker has kind of been quite a contentious position in terms of whether or not top five to eight is kind of too high to take the position. But I think for what they need, um, I think it's a really good pickup uh, to begin their, their begin their draft. Do you reckon Parsons gets a bit of boost because he has experience coming off the edge quite a lot and he obviously has that extra layer to his game? Is that making yeah. a top five worthy pick? Yeah, like out? I say, the, the more the most versatile of the the really top linebackers in this um in this class for sure and i try and i try and do um kind of team prospect fits with with mox and the falcons kind of there's a few areas in that in that area and their linebacking class that can do have a bit of help so they can they can get him in see what they have with him whether it works out to move him inside or have him coming off the edge it, it works it works well for them because they need they need help right across uh, right across their linebacker line there yeah, go ahead, Andy, if you've got a hand up there. 
Yeah, I was just going to say very quickly, interesting that three and four, we've got players that opted out for the season, uh, you know, not, not affected uh, stock-wise because of because of that decision. And, uh, and that could prove to be very um, beneficial for those guys if it goes this way. Yeah, it's interesting one, isn't it? It's interesting because it doesn't seem to be affecting any of the, the big writers, let's say, that, you know, do this professionally. It doesn't seem to be affecting their rankings. So I think everyone's kind of just treating it as a normal as a normal kind of draft cycle, really, which could be a dangerous game. It could lead to a lot of people looking a bit silly in a few months' time. Yeah, I, I can't wait to, to see how it shakes down with the opt-outs because it's still it's still an unknown as much as the, a lot of the pro scouts and the writers, uh, as you say, they're still mocking guys as we are. The mocking guys really high, but um, I, I'm sure there's going to be some schools and a lot of guys that are put off by it. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see in certain positions how how much these guys are affected by it. Yeah, certainly. And the fact that there may be no combine as well might also throw things even more up in the air. But yeah, we'll wait to see whether that, that would be announced. awful. <laughs> it would, it would. It would be really terrible, and especially for the evaluations that we need to do. Or yeah, it would, needs to yeah do. it would really help me out. Yeah. <laughs> we can have a combine, please. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think it's be a bit of a misstep, I think, if the NFL didn't have one. Um, especially given that you know some guys haven't played for a year, as we mentioned. Anyway, we move on. Probably kept you waiting for this one far too long, Rob. We went with the Bengals at number five. I think you can see the steam coming out of my ears <laughs> for this one. Uh, it's Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. Uh, might be a bit of a reach, but I, th- I think we're all kind of consensus saying he's a top 10 guy. Uh, and a point that me and Liam picked up on a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing Kyle Pitts was that you know, between sort of pick six uh, and sort of down to sort of pick 11, pick 12, there's not really many uh, tight end spots available. So I wonder if the Bengals here do go with uh, Cole Pitts. They could certainly use him. Uh, he's another, obviously, he's another weapon um, for them. The tight end position, they haven't got anyone at the tight end position. We, you know, we saw uh, Uzoma go down injured, but he's, I mean, he's not all that, is he? So there's space for a tight end in, in, in Cincy. There's space for another pass catching weapon. I don't know whether AJ Green's going to be there next year. Um, if he is, he's, he's a bit washed up now. So they could do with another pass catcher. Carl Pitts is one of the best in the league. Um, yeah, I, his contested catchability is unreal. It's unparalleled in college football. And he, yeah, he's, he's going to be a superstar at the next level. And if he's got Joe Burrow throwing the ball, um, you know, he, he'll, he'll be a superstar straight off the bat. Mm. yeah we've we've all waxed lyrical about Kyle Pitts all season haven't we so uh yeah I would I'd say that it'd be a very very welcome help to Joey B out in Cincinnati uh yeah just to add to what Rob said when we were discussing about whether top five is too rich and that the Bengals could be trading back when when Rob went read out they're kind of the, the next load of, of picks and how set they are at tight end you think maybe since he might be um maybe safe to trade back a bit and still get him but um these teams have have gaps elsewhere they're not going to they're not going to uh, be doing trades easily so it it could be number 5 go get Kyle Pitts if you want him um just to also add to um the the Bengals pick I don't know if we're going to um like maybe speculate on other areas of the team but I like what's been written about um the Bengals possibly liking Jamar Chase to pair up with uh, Joe Burrow again. I think that'd be really interesting. Kieran's, Kieran's Bengals mug would come in handy then, wouldn't it? The one that he got for Christmas off his, uh, what was it, your girlfriend's parents or something like that? 
Yeah, that they had to mug me off. Um, just to add to Liam's point, though, is exactly what I was going to say. I think if they're going to take uh, some somebody that's not there to, you know, keep Joe Burrow upright, you know, because I think he got sat like, what, 70 times or something ridiculous. Um, I think they would just take Jamar Chase simply because the guys clearly have a lot of chemistry. They broke records together back in 2019. And while Kyle Pitts is probably a generational type weapon in terms of a tight end you don't get tight ends like this often yeah I, I just think uh Jamar Chase probably would fit with them better if they're looking for a weapon for Joey B you're on third strike and you're out with that word you know what word is that <laughs> generational we don't say that on this podcast my friend <laughs> well I'm saying it and I will use it liberally from now on no, I'll let you off I'll let you off, the, uh... I'll let you off with uh Carl Pitts because it's true <laughs> yeah, I, I thought with the Florida boy, I might be able to get away with it a little bit more. Anyway, you're on the clock with uh, with the Eagles pick there, mate. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, cream cheese Eagles, I am taking Devonta Smith. Obviously, not who I think is the best wide receiver in this draft, but football is a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And with the Heisman and the phenomenal season he's come off, I think all the all the things fall into place. And now that Peterson is gone, they're definitely going to start Carson Wentz for another season. God knows why. But at least with Devonta Smith, they'll be able to give him somebody competent who has actual hands instead of bricks for hands. So they'll actually be able to put some touchdowns in the end zone. Controversial from yourself to say Devonta Smith over Chase, surely. I said, football is a very what have you done for me lately league. The willful ignorance, just so you can crap all over my Tigers, is absolutely astounding. All right, brilliant. Well, it's me on the clock again with the Lions. And again, this might be a bit of a controversial QB pick, but I am going to take Zach Wilson now for the Lions. There's obviously Matt Stafford in situ at the moment, but he is getting on. First of all, most he has racked up a couple of injuries, a couple of decent injuries in the past. Whether you want to trade Matt Stafford, I'm not sure. He's definitely a far better quarterback than Sam Darnold was. So I'm not really coming from the same, like, let's refresh it everywhere kind of point of view, uh, getting all these new quarterbacks in situ at the, these new clubs at the top of the top, uh, top of the draft order. Um, you could keep Matt Stafford. I'd be happy to let Zach Wilson carry the marinade behind him. Um, he's kind of like a new age quarterback. You know, Matt Stafford's quite stationary, whereas Wilson, as we mentioned before, or as I mentioned, should I say, did just have a little bit of uh, movability around him, but you can also make all the throws just like Matt Stafford as well. So you're not really losing a great deal of arm talent. Obviously you are losing some because it's Matt Stafford. He's probably got a top three arm in the league, but Zach Wilson is a huge, huge talent and kind of makes that transition from one great quarterback to another immediate, almost in Detroit, which as I've experienced with my chargers is a very, very difficult thing to do and absolutely fantastic when you get it right. So I think, you know, if you want to keep Matt Stafford, brilliant. But if not, you've got the answer in the building straight away. So I think, and again, kind of another sensible um, plan for the future, but also if you need him right now, pick um, for the new coach. Again, pick for a new coach in Detroit as well. So uh, he might want his new quarterback as well. So that's another factor of it. So yeah, Zach Wilson to the Lions at number seven and happy days in Detroit. Andy, you're up. Uh, yes, mate. Um, I'm going to go another quarterback. I'm going to go uh, trade Lance here to the Panthers. A bit of a change in um, where I took him last time. I think, well, I think we, when we did our mock last time, we took him at the back end of the first, didn't we? Last overall uh, pick there. So, yeah, for, for me, um, I've done going through my quarterback evaluations now, I, I, and Lance has probably shot back up there a bit into the uh, as a as a solid QB four for me now. Um, I really like. 
his mobility, his uh, ability to get out of the pocket and extend the play. I also really like uh, some of the deep shots he takes and uh, and the kind of those rainbow passes, which are stuck absolutely fantastic. There's clearly a lot of um, kind of minutia that needs to be gone through in terms of uh, his you know technique and that sort of thing. But um, for me, the Panthers have got a great situation with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, one year on, uh, on his contract left there, didn't really set the world on fire, but somebody that you can like rely on to to start the season at the very least and, and to, to kind of do that Ryan Fitzpatrick role that we've seen with Tua this year, just give him that guidance. He's not going to be that bitter when he gets pulled out. It'll probably, you know, and, and in reality, he's probably going to go on to another job at the end of the season. Bridgewater is where he can probably be vying for a start place or a very good backup at the very least. So Lance to take over by the end of the season um, gives a different dimension to, to, to the Panthers' offence. And, um, you know, one year already with the, the new coach and staff and, they, and they've got their guy for the future. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Uh, it's... Is his sort of, as Kieran just said, what have you done for me recently? He's only played one game beginning of the season. You said at the beginning of that, uh, uh, your analysis there, that he's shot up the board. Why, why is he shot? What's he done for you to shoot up the board, Andy? Just not, um, well, if you look at the other guys uh, that we, we, I mean, we could take Matt Jones here. Um, that's the only other guy I, I'd put him with a chance, but I don't like him. Uh, like in terms of physical ability and uh, mobility in terms of like, Lance. And the only other guy, again, is Trask. For me, again, no mobility here. Like mm. that that um, that Carolina offense was really good this year with Bridgewater extending the play, finding uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore all over the field. And I think Lance has got that, that arm strength to do that. And he's also going to be a threat in the run game. Modern NFL quarterback. Uh, he's for me he's that QB4 um, quite solidly now I think um, sure. the, the one game he had this year wasn't spectacular but when you go back and look at the other stuff all the kind of tools are there for me fair enough yeah my biggest problem with Trey Lance is who has he beat who has he played that is even D1 level in terms of college football like you know he plays FCS football he has not played against top composition. And the fact that he's now being put over guys like Matt Jones and Kyle Trask, who in their entire career at college have played against SEC defensive, played under Saban, played against Saban. It just doesn't make sense to me to take a guy because everyone's fixated on 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. When in reality, that's not a great stat when essentially he's playing against teams that would, you know, not go undefeated against D2 opponents. So That's very true, but then you look at, you know, Carson Wentz, exactly the same situation, same school, went, what, 102 overall? So And look what happened to him. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm sort of battling. I've, I've got, like, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, talking to me about Trey Lance, because I'm not a massive fan. But at the same time, when you're a standout player, a big fish, small pot, you can get yourself in the first round. And... I don't know. I, I, I worry that because he hasn't played this year at all once, um, I, I, I think his draft up might have been affected. But like you said, there is certain, like Andy said, there is there is characteristics which are attractive to the NFL, certainly. Mainly, you know, the rushing ability because I've seen with, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler, Kyler Murray, that, that is the new fashion for quarterbacks. And he is exactly that. But that, as Kieran just praised, that is the question mark for, for me and for everybody. Can he do it? at the pro level because he hasn't done it at FBS level. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've I think he oh, so suits better. Oh, sorry. I yeah. think he goes best where he can sit for a year 
behind a uh, like an experienced quarterback where he can get that experience in for the first year. There's no pressure that he's going to have to play games. Maybe put him in for some garbage time snaps here and there if you're up or, you know, like that. I, I just I don't think a team where he's going to start straight away is going to be beneficial for him. And I think if he does, he could end up going the way of Carson Wentz mm. of having flashes of brilliance, but eventually, you know, so being thrown to the walls. We, a bit we want him to be more like Jalen Hurts as opposed to Carson quickly. Wentz. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Jalen Hurts got to start behind a veteran quarterback who I don't think is good, but with, you know, fairly competent coaching staff, despite what you think about the Nate Sudfeld change, Peterson has proved himself to be a very competent head coach in this league. Um, and Jalen Hurts, they're very similar. I don't think uh, Trey Lance is as good as thrower of the ball as Jalen Hurts. But then again, I didn't think Jalen Hurts was that great at throwing the ball until I saw the sort of things he was doing at the combine and the workouts and stuff like that. So... I think if you stick him somewhere where he's going to be able to sit a year and, you know, only play a couple games, like like what Patrick Mahomes did. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but I'm saying that sort of environment where you can foster raw talent and turn it into something exceptional would really benefit him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to begin with, you interrupted me, but you said exactly what I was going to say in terms of letting him kind of marinate behind someone else. And, you know, Carolina would be a, a potential one for that because we've got, obviously got Bridgewater, as Andy said. So I don't dislike the pick. I'm not sold on the player. I've got a lot of concerns that we've all raised about the sample size and about the level of the competition, but it's a projection pick in the top 10. And, you, you know, if you could hit the jackpot on him, then you do hit the jackpot, don't you? So you got to kind of take a swing from the fences. But um, I guess a guy who's on the next team that Liam's going to come to, John Elway is going out and he's going out because he's taking too many swings from the fences. So it can work both ways, really. So in that seamless segue to Liam's pick there, I'll go to Liam for the Broncos at number nine go to uh, Denver at number nine and uh, I'm going to the secondary and picking Patrick Sassane cornerback out of Alabama at uh, number nine overall um, based on uh, a really good season for uh, Alabama where he's kind of come into this season as uh, consensus CB1 among most people I've not been completely convinced that I have been now because he's had a really really good season and I think he's kind of cemented himself for me uh, right at the top of the cornerback class and, and worthy of a, a top 10 pick. I think it's um, a need as well for Denver that they need a young young guy to come in and play from day one, um, play uh, short coverages really, really well. Everything about him says that he will come in and do a really good job for that defence. Um, Denver, have, uh, they've backed their coaches for another season. There's going to be a little, little bit of... Um, of cohesion there there's going to be the same personnel around I think that uh, having him come in and start straight away is a uh, a really good pick for them yeah you've got to look after a lot of good wide receivers in the AFC West so getting good corners is pretty much essential out there I would say and uh, speaking from experience with that one <laughs> yeah yeah he can he he it feels like a really really good pick it feels like uh, a really good uh, team player fit to me hmm yeah, I'd agree with that one. Uh, Rob, with the Cowboys next. Yeah, um, I've, I've gone for Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher from Miami. Um, a guy that's, I, th- I think, other than Trey Lance, the first one on the list. I know, make make a Parsons. I was going to say the first one that set out this year. Um, but yeah, a, a COVID opt-out, hasn't played this year. Um, but this class, as you're going to find out, is a pretty poor edge class. Uh, for first round talent anyway. Um, and I think someone like Gregory Rousseau, who is clearly the best edge rusher in this class, 
Um, I think his positional value, positional scarcity goes up and he gets drafted maybe a bit earlier than, than he probably should have done. But um, the Cowboys need defensive help. We saw it this year with Dak and that offence. First five or six games, whoever was before Dak went out, they were absolutely killing people on offence. As soon as they lost Dak and they had to play defensive football, they went down quicker than a lead balloon. The defence is poor. They've got a few players on defence, but they've, they need a bigger core. Uh, I think Russo adds to that. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, for, for that reason, uh, the, you've got, you, you know, spoiler alert, the first round is, is you know, more offence than defence. And I think the Cowboys, they might trade down from this position to go grab one of the guys at the sort of the back end of the first, maybe some secondary help. Uh, but if they're drafting here, I think it's going to be defensive and I think it's going to be the best player in the position available, which is which is Gregory Russo. Yeah, just to pick up on trades, obviously we've not done any trades in this mock, but we will do later down the line. Um, obviously, with this being the first postseason one, the order's not even set yet, so we didn't, we we went against it. So we've just got yeah. straight picks this time. But yes, we'll incorporate next time, maybe. Uh, go ahead, Liam. Uh, yeah, just to um, bring back in the subject of uh, the combine and of workouts, I think it's big for for Gregory Rousseau because he set out this year. Um, he's there's still some question marks um, on his kind of kind of high end sample size. Like he still looks a little bit raw to me in places. Be really really interesting, especially having uh, set out a season. If he um, still makes it as a, a top ten pick, um, I think that he has potential to kind of prove himself and uh, kind of work out situation and uh, combine. But I think he's a guy that will miss out quite a lot if those sort of things don't happen. Yeah, I can go along with that. As, as you guys have both said, both raw physically and as a pass rusher as well. So got some things to work on, but again, high upside pick for whoever gets him. Um, let's go to Kieran then for the New York Giants at number 11. Yeah, I've got the Giants taking Caleb Farley, a cornerback out of Virginia Tech, who, you know, in a juxtaposition to our original mock draft we did, uh, only the second cornerback off the board at this point. I think by this point, every pick had been a cornerback almost uh, because of, you know, the amount of talent there was in this draft. But Caleb Farley just... You know, he's phenomenal. Thing I really like is he has, uh, he can adapt to a lot of coverages. You see him in zone, you see him in man. He's fantastic. Uh, I like his hips, which I know you guys are going to laugh about, which is why I braced myself before I said it. He's a very good tackler as well. And what do I say? Every single elite cornerback has to be able to tackle. Just why I think guys like, as much as I like guys like Greedy Williams and stuff who come into the NFL, like second round picks, they can't tackle uh, and that they almost look scared to tackle. And Caleb Farley is not scared to tackle. He's happy to go out there almost like a Denzel Ward and completely lay someone out. So I think this is a big pick for the Giants. Hopefully he doesn't go do like a robbery like their last uh, drafted cornerback did. I think that was a, you know, fun situation for them to have to deal with. But yeah, I think the best available cornerback in this draft after Patrick Sertain the second is Caleb Farley. He is, you know, heads and shoulders above the rest. Any any concerns for sample size for Farley as well? Because pretty much has only one year on tape again after his opt-out this year. Yeah, I've, the problem with opt-outs uh, this year is so many high-level players have done it. Uh, and I think they're, it, you know, it's like when you ask players to go back for their senior year, sometimes you can see a drop-off. So you have to evaluate what you see. Uh 
you know, like you said, don't evaluate the helmet, evaluate the player. So from what I've seen of him, he, he I think he can make the step to the NFL with the next level. I don't see him really get burnt in Virginia Tech. And I know it's college football and a lot of coverages and stuff are wide open, but he's never really been burnt. And I think he's got that burst of speed that can really help him track a receiver. You watch his eyes. He's very smart as well, which isn't talked about enough for defensive players. He can read a quarterback's eyes almost perfectly. And a lot of the time he's matched up against the team, the team's top read, and he can eliminate a top read very, very quickly just from the way he plays. I do have concerns about him sometimes being a little bit handsy uh, coming off the line of scrimmage. He can put hands on people a little bit too much. He's not exactly draped over people, but sometimes his hands are in places they shouldn't be. But I think that's just a coachable thing that can be sort of coached out of him in his, his first sort of training camp. Yeah, top player anyway. Um, and like you say, top two cornerback in this draft class um, for sure. Uh, Andy, number 12, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I would have taken uh, Farley here if uh, obviously if Kieran hadn't taken him previously. So uh, instead, I've gone for the uh, offensive line. Um, we all know the 49ers have got a stacked defense when they're all fit and healthy. Um, the quarterback position could be addressed here, but I think the four options that they've got would be off the board in this scenario. Uh, so I've gone to protect whoever uh, does end up at quarterback for them next season with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, who, as you're all aware, is one of those guys who is my guy this time around. Um, big versatile, uh, big fan of versatile uh, lineman, guard, tackle, comfortable at each. He's a dominator, um, pass protection that he's absolutely fantastic in, um, good strong hands. Like hasn't given up a, a sack this season, I don't think, for playing tackle where he'd only played guard before. So uh, I'm a big fan. I think he stays out there on the on the West Coast. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, quite a, you know, quite a debated um, uh, point this. Who, who's the second tackle on the board after Saul? Uh, I've gone Tucker. I think others will go Darasaur, as we'll see in a minute. But um, yeah, big fan. I think, it's a, I think it's a nice, safe pick. Is he... If you were the 49ers, if you're in charge of you know, the roster or the you have Carl Shanahan, are you playing him as a guard or a tackle in this team? Probably a guard, to be honest, uh, but, or at least starting him at guard, uh, you know, get, get up to speed with the NFL. I think they've already got a couple of tackles who are of a reasonable quality. So um, just, just yeah, slot him in there for now and then bounce him outside if, if you know, the, the pressure keeps coming because... We all know, we've all seen uh, Nick Mullins on his back and uh, and co this year. So, yeah, and, and to be honest, I know when the Dolphins played the, the 49ers early in the year, they just ran over and, and Jimmy Garoppolo had to limp off at half-time. Um, so, yeah, that that's he just needs protection, needs to stay upright and, and stick him at guard and, and find out where he, where he best fits. Awesome. Yeah, player that I think I, I, I'm joining you with on that train, on the hype train. Um, Kieran, do you want to come in there on AVT? Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's you know you don't always see it at the college level but he's got very nice kick set the way he like drops his hips and kicks his legs out in uh, when he's uh, pass protected it's fantastic and you know the dude can move mountains so i think it's a great pick there yeah starting off a little uh, tackle or at least offensive line run for us here and i'm right in the middle of it with christian darasor going to my charges at number 13 um yeah, a player that I don't even think he's appeared in any of our mocks that we did kind of mid-season or pre-season, but he's risen up the draft boards just by being so, so consistent. And great in pass protection, uh, can do things in the run game as well. Athletic, he's got NFL size, length. He's just like, if you wanted a pretty solid tackle, this is what you draw up. You know, he's not a superstar like uh, Penai Soul, 
but he's going to have a very solid career for a very, very long time. And that is an immense improvement in LA <laughs> with the way our offensive line has been um, over this time. So yeah, really excited if we could get this pick. Still got to work out who, whether he's my tackle two or three. I'm not really sure, but he's a player that I quite like from what I have seen. Proper, um, I haven't watched him properly as of yet, but from what I have seen, he's a very, very solid player. And if this came down the pipes in the spring, I would be very happy with this this pick uh, for my Chargers. Let's move on to Liam with the Vikings. Uh, yeah, like we've uh, like we've mentioned, this speaks to the the strength at the top of the offensive line uh, class, doesn't it? As I'm taking another offensive tackle, I'm taking Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, um, a guy who I've got um, like really high marks on in, in all areas, and a guy that. Uh, in some cases has been, I think, a little bit forgotten at the top of the class because of uh, the likes of Vera Tucker or Darasaur, um getting a lot of buzz uh, throughout the year. But um, as um, some people know from previous years, I'm always a, a sucker for Alabama offensive linemen as well. I think that they coach brilliantly at the school and I think that translates to the NFL and to how uh, NFL scouts see Alabama offensive linemen. Um it's needed on the Vikings O-line and offensive tackle. Leatherwood looks like he's a, a ready-made left tackle and uh, would have been a good left tackle coming out last year, decided to stay another year. Um, and um, I think that if I was uh, Minnesota sitting at 14, even uh, seeing the other tackles go, I think we'd be very happy to uh, just sit at 14 in our bright purple suits and watch uh, Leatherwood <laughs> fall to us. I think it's uh, I think it's a really nice match. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, I think we've got to do some sorting out, haven't we, amongst this tackle class? But yeah, he's another good player. Obviously, had that guard experience as well from early on in his career. So no more versatility, and you can't get enough good linemen, can you really? You can't have an Alabama offensive lineman if you're not versatile. They're always being moved, especially in the early uh, years. They're always moved up and down the line. Kieran, mm. do you want to say something about Alex Leatherwood? Yeah, you can't go wrong with an Alabama lineman. Like Liam said, they're very versatile, but also their technique is phenomenal. The, the way they get drilled at Alabama is just absolutely unreal. So I, I personally would have had him higher, but... You know, you can't go wrong with an Alabama offensive lineman. They're, they're going to protect your quarterback and make massive gaps for your running back. Yeah, like I say, there's there's um, quite a few of them over the years in various positions that I've gone with, and I think I think I can only think of one that I've kind of missed on. And I think that Leatherwood's going to be another one that I'm going to kind of back quite highly when we uh, really get to the the business end of uh, draft season. Was that was that DJ Fluker by any chance? It was Ross Pierschbacher, the centre slash guard that came out a couple of years ago. I was really high on him. In fact, I think I had him as my top centre at the time. Mm, yeah, just another well, bad offensive line memory from the Chargers taking DJ Fluker out of Alabama, and he was pretty terrible. Uh, yeah, but less of that. I liked him, but yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was at the Seahawks for a little while, wasn't he? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Let's move quickly on from poor, poor offensive line play uh, to Kieran with his Patriots at number 15 for a pick that he probably couldn't wait to make. Look, thank God for Cam Newton, because otherwise we wouldn't be in this position. What a man! Eight touchdowns, <laughs> 10 picks, beast! Um, oh no, it's six touchdowns. Never mind. Um, yeah, so the Patriots are going to select Jamar Chase, who, like I said, best wide receiver in this class. 
you want anything to speak to his dominance, just look at his understudy, his number two, Justin Jefferson, and his run to take the eh, rookie of rookie of the year. I'll say, um, yeah, best rookie rookie right rookie wide receiver. He's not Chewbacca uh, in a long time. <laughs> no, best best rookie wide receiver in a long time. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase is way better. Uh, I've watched a, a lot of football from this guy. He can catch. He can run routes. He's fast, but also he is strong, freakishly strong. If you've seen him get off like uh, some pass protection blocks occasionally, and also. Beating corners at the line is not a problem for this man. I think he would make Jalen Ramsey look like a child. So, yeah, it's a strong pick for the Patriots. It's going to be a great pairing with either Matt Stafford or Deshaun Watson, depending on what direction we go this offseason. Um, and I just think it's the best pickup the Patriots have. We don't really have that many offensive weapons. As much as I like Jacoby Myers, the other help he's really got is a massive old bust in Nikhil Harry uh, and then a couple of guys who were at Walmart last week uh, doing their shopping before Bill Belichick went in and called him in so I think this is the best possible choice the Patriots could make assuming you know we do pick up a quarterback in free agency everyone's got their hand up to take you up on something there with this one go on Liam I think you got in there first it's actually um, not really to make much of a point about Jamal Chase, just like we're about halfway through the first round now. So we're at pick 15 and um, five picks, that's including Trey Lance, who has played a game, but five of them have been opt-outs. So um, we're speculating about how that's going to affect things. It hasn't affected us now, Mark, at the moment. Mm. Yeah, remains to be seen how this will be done. But yeah, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Rob, I'm sure you were about to take an uh, <laughs> with something here. Um <laughs> Well, I can, I can see it. Um, obviously, they need a receiver. Um, you mentioned the previous first-round acquisition at wide receiver there. Um, he had a bit of a bad go of it, though, hadn't he? Because he was injured the whole last year, and this year he's had Cam Newton, who, as we just mentioned, it you know, isn't has not been throwing the ball. So I don't know whether you know it could be a, a Corey Davis kind of situation with him that you know, it might take him two or three years to get going, like Devonta Parker kind of situation as well. So, you know, it could be um, that get the right quarterback there and he flies off. Um, So then, I don't know, I can see it. There's sort of three or four position groups that I think the Pats need to target. Um, Wide receiver is certainly one of them. So if Jamar Chase is on the board, let's, let's call a spade a spade. He is one of the best players pound for pound in this draft. So, um, if he's there, it'd be hard to take, hard to turn down, considering it's a position of need. So I can see it. Just to finish off on this one, Kieran, one word: who's throwing in the ball next year? Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. <laughs> right, okay, fair enough. Um, I think we just end the podcast there. I think uh, <laughs> come back next week to find out who that and why that is. Well, if they got Deshaun Watson, they won't be showing. They won't be throwing to Jamar Chase because they won't have a first round pick. Yeah, <laughs> for the next three or four years. Um, move on from that, Rob, uh, with the Cardinals at 16, finishing us off for the first half. Uh, yeah, so I've jumped in here, um, right, like gone for the jugular, and I'm taking Najee Harris running back. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it, Najee Harris was in none of our mock drafts first round three or four months ago, um, and he's only recently come into sort of question for me as a first rounder. But I look at the Cardinals and I think, okay, the defense ain't bad. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson's getting old and he's not 
so good. But Buda Baker, you know, he's, he's had a good season. And Hashan Riddick's had a good season at linebacker. And Isaiah Simmons is playing that role. Defensively, they're not bad. There's a couple of holes. And then you look at offensively, you think they've got great wide receivers. Um, you know, that they've got Kyler Murray. The O-line is okay. They're really missing a run game. Without Kyler Murray's rushing yards this year, they'd have been 30th in the league. Rushing yards. They haven't got a run game without Kyler Murray. I don't like Kenyon Drake. I never have done. I don't think he's that good. And I don't think Chase Edmonds is that great as a backup. Najee Harris, you bring in a power runner, which is obviously you've got that almost a one-cut running back in, in Kyler Murray. Uh, you, you then pair him up with a power running back with with Najee Harris. He can do everything. Man, I could see it. I like it. I like the pick here. I, I It might be a tad early for other people. Um, but that's, for me, is their biggest weakness at the moment is, is uh, you know, a, a run game uh, without Kyler Murray. And I think Najee Harris is, is a fixer for that. Uh, good in pass blocking, again, for... Um, for Kyler Murray, he's, he's a he's a do it all. It's the do it all running back. So that's why he's risen up the board. And I saw it and thought, oh yeah, it's a bit spicy. I like that. So that's why I took Najee Harris. Disrespect to 955 yards, Kenyon Drake, and not on a full season is is unwarranted. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just, I never have liked him, and I just don't think he's good. And I, you say 950 yards, he had I think one big game in there as well. I just. He doesn't flatter me. I watch him. I just think I just can't get behind this guy. I cannot see a talent in Kenyon Drake. So yeah, it's a bit disrespectful as a former Dolphin. I do apologise. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, he's getting Najee Harris generational. Oh, <laughs> <my>. <laughs> oh Stop that silliness. Right, we'll move on to me with the Raiders then. Um, another Alabama player coming off the board. I think that makes it five from the first 17 picks now. Um, going from a guy who I spoke about last week, actually, on the uh, scouting podcast, Deontay Brown, the interior offensive lineman. Um, this just speaks to me as a John Gruden pick. You know, John Gruden loves big guys, especially on the offensive line. You know, he brought in Trent Brown. He's got what he already has, and this is the guy who's going to replace Richie, Richie Incognito. Um, he's got Kalechi Osamele, who he had. He doesn't have him anymore, but he did have him. He just loves big offensive guys that can just maul people. You know, he loves the fullback. Jonte Brown just is a raider already, I feel. If he gets this far, um, I just feel like he's going to go in there hand and glove and just be one that John uh, Gruden pounds the, the table for. And uh, he loves Alabama guys, big school guys as well. So, again, it speaks to that side of his personality. So, uh, yeah, lock it in. Jonte Brown's a raider already, I feel. And uh, with that, we'll move on to Andy at the Dolphins. Yeah, probably first, um, apart from uh, Rob there with a take that could happen. Um, first, first wild card for me, uh, Chris Alave uh, to the Dolphins at 18. Um, I think wide receiver three wide open in this draft. Uh, I think a lot of people are already mocking uh, Jalen Waddle as that guy, but I think there's a couple of people that, that could jump above him. Um, I was so close to going one day or more here, but for me, what the Dolphins are crying out for is um, uh, like an outside wide receiver. Uh, over six foot can uh, create separation um, in the kind of underneath game. So we've got Albert Wilson coming back, who everyone forgets he's actually quite a nice short yardage guy and seems like it'd be perfect for Tua. So um, I'm going to go for a larvae. Speed guy downfield can also beat his man at the line. Um, gives you something different to Devontae Parker, who is Mr. Contested Catches. Um, so yeah, just something different. 
I so be need weapons. Uh, I can also see us splashing out on like Alan Robinson or someone like Chris Godwin if he makes himself to, to free agency. But I still think we'll take a wide receiver here because they just need to, to give to everything they've got to, the, to take the next step in that Dolphins long-term plan. What is it the ankle injury that makes you worried about Waddle? Is it because obviously we had him really high in our previous mocks, haven't we? And he's now obviously slipped down, you know, past a couple of wide receivers that will be taken before he does in this one. Yeah, there's that. And uh, I don't know, it's not about him, it's just, um, it's, it's, I just worry a bit. Like, I've watched Rogues this year, I've watched um, Judy. I'm not like they just haven't set the, the world on fire for me. I'm, I'm a bit the same with, with Smith. I like Smith, I, I really do. And, and he'll go before this pick, but um, I, what I want is someone who's. Uh, just consistently produced every year he's been at college and I like Olave in that respect and I think he's uh, coming to his uh, own last couple of games as well we saw in the in the, in the playoff semi-final so yeah I mean to be honest I really wanted to go Rondell Moore that was my pick all, all day long here uh, um, but I just couldn't make it happen just couldn't, don't think the Dolphins will go this early on a, on a kind of um, on a shorter guy who's who's not going to um, be played on the edge a lot so yeah that, that's my, my main reasoning and uh, Waddle could be the guy, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, obviously. Keeping the slot open for one of my guys from last year, Malcolm Perry, to come in and make a role for himself. <laughs> I, I don't know, mate. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't watched that guy, mate. He's uh, he's okay. He's played more wild uh, wildcat snaps than anything. <laughs> Dolphin should just play uh, triple option and just have done with it, I think. <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on then, Liam for the football team. The football team of Washington, yeah, number 19. Um, we're going to stay offensive tackle, speaks to the offensive tackle class. And uh, we're going to take the beautifully named Liam Eikenberg from uh, Notre Dame. Um, not the only reason that I'm taking him is that he's one of us and that he's, a, he's Liam. But from that, that Notre Dame offensive line, it's a big need for Washington to have a guy come in that can play uh, the left tackle spot. Um Remains to be seen what Washington do at quarterback. If they uh, stick with a veteran, maybe keep Alex Smith. If they go with somebody else, somebody brand new, but um, whoever it is, they're going to need uh, need more protection for sure. And uh, I really like how Washington have built their defense the last couple of years, both in the draft and in free agency. And um, it, it just, just sense that there's... Um, an offensive need in terms of first round pick this year and uh, offensive tackle uh, is uh, a need, makes a lot of sense. And uh, Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame uh, fits the mould very, very nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's one of these that we're going to have to sort out, as I mentioned earlier, for tackle three, four, two, that sort of thing. And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a bit of a mixture of what we've had from before and what we've kind of moved to now, but I'm sure it will change again as, as time moves on. But yeah, another solid, solid prospect and a you know, career left tackle out there in Notre Dame. So yeah, great pick. It's a really good class and and um, senior bowl invite for him is huge and going to, um, I mean, I, I just think he's going to excel all over the place at the senior bowl in the drills in the game. Um, I think he'll, you know, he's already been pushed up a few big boards all over the place. And I think... Um, I think he'll back it up at the senior bowl. Yeah, definitely. For next time we play, we might see some play play football as well and take some drills and things like that potentially. So it'd be massive for a lot of people. Um, Kieran, you're on the board with the Bears, number twenty. I have gone for Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver out of Minnesota. Now I know what you're thinking. Why have you not gone quarterback? Because you love Mitch. They- 
Look, they made it to the playoffs. He won the Nickelodeon MVP. He might not be as bad as we thought that he is. Truly, though, he's taken the team to the playoff twice. Like, he really had to battle against it this year because Nick Foles tried his best to upend their season before it had even begun. That guy's got a statue, for God's sake. Um, yeah. Oh, and he is a statue. So, you know, art imitates life. Um, he... Look, I think Trubisky should be given one more year with weapons. And I, I think Rashad Bateman is going to have to fill in for Allen Robinson because he's probably coming to a team like the Patriots or the Dolphins in the next season. But he, he's very unhappy with the situation there. And the fact that Matt Nagy has, has been kept, I think he's going to try and make it work with Trubisky. But I think this is do or die for uh, Nagy and Trubisky. So they've gone after Rashad Bateman, who, look, I think probably he's one of the best wide receivers left in this class. Now I know we talked about everyone's favorite little Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Uh, but I think Rashad Bateman's a better uh, all rounded receiver. Cause he can do more. You can put him in the slot. You can put him out wide. He can just do more and he, he, he can really run people over. He's got that sort of uh, downhill speed, but uh, you know, they're going to go for the man from the golden gophers and hopefully turn him into a golden goose for the Chicago bears. On them. Uh, to um, to back up uh, your New York Jets pick as well, and if uh, the Jets want to go quarterback, I think uh, the Bears is a good spot for Sam Darnold uh, for a trade partner. So I think that's probably who Bateman's going to be catching the passes from. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad chart actually. Not a bad chart at all. I like it. Um, you know, available for a bargain price, kind of a almost a one year prove it deal on his final year of his rookie deal. Yeah, go for it. You know, can do much worse for sure. Yeah, as long as he uh, yeah, as long as he likes playing uh, playing there in that situation, that offense, I think it'll work. But this is what the draft's all about, isn't it? It's the draft's all about getting making that situation better for him. And if they do trade, which probably won't be a, a massive price, but if they trade for him and you know potentially get in a younger quarterback who you know has a higher ceiling, maybe than Trubisky, then you know you're going to have to put some guys around him to make him excel, aren't you? Yeah, and the flip side in terms of the the pick is that it'll help Trubisky more. Uh, Trubisky's still there another year. Just yeah, no, the more um, receivers that can stretch the field like Bateman will just help him. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Kevin, you're doubling up because we switched around so that um, I can't remember what it was now. But yeah, you go ahead with the with the Jaguars. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jaguars have traded a pick for the Rams. Uh, they traded, uh, what, Jalen Ramsey, I think. Uh, a guy who you love, Lee, because he kept your absolute favourite person in the world upright for most of <laughs> the year. We've got, we've got Samuel Cosby, who protected your husband, you know, your <laughs> life partner, Sam Ellinger. Uh, Samuel Cosme is a big dominating offensive lineman. He's fairly versatile. Uh, but yeah, I just think this the, makes the most sense for the Jags. They're picking up a generational talent in, you know, Trevor Lawrence at the begin uh, it, with their first pick. And it makes sense to keep someone who can keep him upright. We all saw what happened to Joe Burrow this year, who, by the way, is ahead of his schedule on recovery. Uh, but yeah, you don't want your first round pick. You don't want your first overall pick getting absolutely squashed uh, at every single opportunity. So, yeah, Samuel Cosme is probably the best option they've got left at this point in the draft to do that. Yeah, um, just... To put a disclaimer out there, 
I'm not in a relationship with Sam Ellinger and never will be. Don't let Meredith hear, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moving swiftly on, that was why, because you made the you had the Jags pick before. That's why we traded these picks. I remember now. Um, and Rob, I think to finish all off, no, we're not. Oh, yeah, there we are with our uh, fan picks, should I say? Because there's no Seahawks pick for the first round. That's what made me trip up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Colts at 22. Um, I had a hard time with this one, to be quite honest, because um, we really need help in the defensive secondary. I think uh, Sunday's game against the Bills proved that. You know, we I, I put a message on Twitter. You know, that was we put on a clinic on how to beat the Bills, but we also put on a clinic on how to lose to the Bills because the defensive secondary was just non-existent. Um, it was a it's a position the cornerback is a position that we needed for a while. Kenny Moore's okay. Rocky Osin has not done anything since we drafted him in 2018. Um, Xavier Rhodes is Xavier Rhodes. So it, you know, it, it's it hasn't helped that we've had our um, uh, Malik Hooker out all year safety but that is that defensive secondary is one area that has always been a bit of a weak point as with edge rusher with us so i'm not going to get either of them uh, i'm going to go for uh, an interior offensive lineman um it, it, again there's been some recent news after i made this pick because we did this during the week uh, yesterday it was announced that our, our left tackle uh, anthony costanzo is retiring that is a massive deal for our O-line because he's a big big piece of it has been for the last 10 years. So um, I am secretly hoping that one of these tackles that we've been speaking about today falls down to us at 22 now. Uh, but if the board sits out as it is, I probably still wouldn't go tackle. I've picked Wyatt Davis, the interior guard um, from Ohio State, who's the best. We, we spoke about him in the scouting podcast last week. I spoke about him in the scouting podcast last week. For me, he's the best guard in the class. Um, you know, he's done a fantastic job keeping Justin Fields upright. He's done a fantastic job opening up rush lanes for J.K. Dobbins last year and for the for the boys this year. So uh, he's, he's a great guard. At the time that I picked this, the right guard position was our weak point. Um, Glowinski is he is the weak link of that O-line and I think if we had an elite talent like Davis on that O-line with Costanzo that would be lights out the best O-line probably the last 20 years in in, in the NFL so uh, but yeah like I said things have changed uh, you know that, that tackle spot is now available so it'd be interesting to see what the Colts do uh, come draft day but if things were what they were I'd be happy to, to shore up that O-line even more rather than I've, I've chosen White Davis over the other positions that we need just because I think White Davis is a cut above in his position. I think he's, you know, better than any of the other guys that we could pick in their positions, if that makes any sense. I just waffled there a little bit, but uh, White Davis. <laughs> he's a he's a better player than all the rest around you. Like kind of best player available for a position of need yeah. kind, of, kind of scenario. Exactly, exactly, yeah. It's, yeah, and it's... It's not a position. The O line is not a position of need necessarily for for Indy, but it's there. There is a gap in that O line that we could do with filling. Mm. It's fine. Put Quentin Nelson's left tackle. White Davis can play left guard next to him. It'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Playing in two positions, they'd probably be fine as well. Playing left guard, uh, left guard, and left tackle at the same time. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, obviously we have that news there that might have made your choice a bit different in Colbert Day, but you know, still a good pick nonetheless, I think. And uh, yeah, I think you'd be absolutely fine there. Andy with the Browns at 23. Yeah, I think Kieran mentioned uh, Greedy Williams earlier in the uh, earlier in the programme and, and thus 
that kind of second um, cornerback for the Browns is the big gaping hole for me. Offensively, we know they're very good. The offensive line's fantastic. Um, and up front, they've got Miles Carrot and Co. So, yeah, um, cornerback, the, the need for me. So I've gone JC Horn from South Carolina. Um, very long, stocky frame, built for competing with those X receivers on the edge there. Um, great in contested situations as well. Um, the kind of red flag for me is obviously the, the kind of missed tackles. And again, Kieran said earlier, you need to be making these tackles at that level. So that's a bit of a, uh, a negative that's holding him from going earlier up the board uh, in my book. But the, the way he can compete with the team's wide receiver ones uh, just make, means that he'd be fantastic opposite Denzel Ward for me. Yeah, I think he's definitely willing to make these tackles, though, isn't he? I just don't think he's the most proficient at this yes. point. Yeah. So, again, technique and, um, and a bit of good coaching. And I say not having to play that, um, that, that, that cornerback one role with Denzel Ward opposite, who's a very good player in my book. So, uh, yeah, a bit of room to grow and, uh, and a good pick. Yeah, it would, it would definitely make a great cornerback tandem there in, in Cleveland. Um, yeah, for sure. Kieran, you come ahead. Yeah, I think. Uh... You know, like Andy said, it's not that he's not willing to make tackles, which is the problem with Greedy Williams. He doesn't seem like he wants to tackle. He just needs uh, a lot of work on his technique. But we've seen how that can be improved. Players uh, like uh, Devin White, who was drafted by the Bucks, I know he's a linebacker, but he started... Uh, you know, life as a running back at LSU and he had a lot of problems with his tackling. He would always tackle too high, which led to him being uh, shaken off. So uh, I think that definitely can be improved when he goes to the next level because it's shown that players can be taught how to tackle correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good one now. Uh, moving on to the Tennessee Titans with Liam. I do like the Tennessee Titans on the defensive side of the ball and um, I've uh, added to it with Quitty Pie out of Michigan, uh, the edge guy. Um, again, a lot of times when I look at matching up teams and with uh, prospects uh, in mock drafts like this I always kind of look for fit and I think this fits really nicely um, Titans like to kind of line up a lot of 3-4 uh, formations as well and I think one thing about Quitty Pie that he isn't as kind of a one-trick pony as I first thought when I watch him a lot more he gets moved inside on the D-line it's almost like a kind of a three-take defensive tackle uh, on occasions as well and I think that that kind of fits the Titans scheme really nicely they can kind of play their outside linebackers uh, next to him there um not as raw as uh, I first thought he was either he's had uh, yeah he's had some really really good games the last couple of years and uh, I think he's well worth a first round pick and um, I think the Titans as I say along the formation on their defensive line I think he fits quite well from day one They've got quite a lot of talent building up in that front seven, haven't they, in, in Tennessee? Yeah, they, um, it, it's, uh, it's needed. Um, they got like they built the offense really nicely, as we've seen from the two uh, playoff runs they've had the last couple of years. Um, and uh, I, like I say, I just really like the fit. I think that um, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to have quite a few teams um, looking at him very high on their boards and. Uh, uh, I think that the Titans fits in very nicely. Yeah, for sure. Um, number 25, Rob, you're up with the Bucks. Yeah, uh, I looked at the Bucks roster and I, I, I really felt that they could do with an edge rusher, uh, another edge rusher on the, on the defensive side. The problem is that my top five edge rushers are all from a 4-3 scheme. Uh, Bucks player 3-4, so I was kind of scratching my head who would be the most sort of versatile. And 
I went for Patrick Jones, who probably isn't the most versatile, but I think he's the best talent out of them all. Um, so I've, I've gone for Patrick Jones. I don't like the defensive fit, but uh, I think target. So that's why I went for Patrick Jones. Um, yeah, nothing more, really more to add to that. Um, I think offensively, obviously, they've, they're, they're sorted. They've got, you know, great talent on that side of the ball. Um so yeah, it's kind of like a best player available kind of situation, but I didn't love this pick. I'll be honest. You don't, you don't sound like you do. To be honest with you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, I, I just I, I I do like when I'm not. I'm looking at obviously obviously I'm an offensive guy to start with. So defensively, I have to dig that a bit further for me. Um, and I do struggle with with scheme fits, but. I like the talent. I like the tape of Patrick Jones. And I think you do as well, Lee. From, from yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I really like him. He's a really good talent. And I think that they they need that kind of talent on their team. They just, they'll need to play around with his scheme. I think there's, there's, I think you're right. I think, I don't think it's as bad as you're making out, to be honest with you. There's a lot of more ball schemes out there. Todd Bowles, um, who I'm not just, well, I thought it there. He's the defensive coordinator in Tampa, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just said it and I just thought that's not right, is it? <laughs> yeah, Todd Bowles, he, he's very creative in the way he does things. And Patrick Jones has got an incredible motor and he, 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 can, he can get to the, the quarterback. Um, yeah. He can he moves around. He's a little bit like in the way that, um, and I'm seeing this through a very Chargers uh, specific lens here, but the way that the Chargers move Melvin Ingram around, he can do that. He can kind of stand up, he can come off the edge, sure. edge as a, um, a kind of stand up two-point stance guy, but he's a four-point stance guy, so he's more of a defensive end, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but he does run, run through the middle as well and come like that. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a really good pass rusher, a guy with a lot of pass rush moves from what I saw, yeah. um, and a very powerful guy with with quick hands and quick feet. So, yeah, I really like the, the best player available kind of mindset going for that there. And kind of- yeah, it, it was, they, I looked at it, they needed a better pass rush. Patrick Jones, for me, was the best pass rusher in this in this. this, this second edge position um, after Gregory Russo. So that's why I went for the pick. Fair play. Um, and um, we've got, again, we've gone on a little bit of a run here because I'm on the clock with the Baltimore Ravens um, and I'm also going to take an edge rusher. But I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong in saying that Gregory Russo is the best pass rusher. I think you're wrong in saying Patrick Jones is the best out of the second bunch. I am picking the best edge rusher in this class that I've found so far. And that is Aziz Ojulari from Georgia. Honestly, I watched this tape on Saturday and I could not get enough of it. I wanted more and more and more. He just excited me so much. There was one play in particular, I think it was against Auburn, if I remember right, that I was watching Georgia against Auburn from uh, earlier on this season. And the Auburn, the right tackle, could not handle him so much that he was just bear-hugging him the whole time. And I actually audibly went, oh, come on, like when he was bear-hugged. Just as like it was a Chargers game or something, I was so excited by this guy. He's so quick off the snap. He can bend a corner. He's got like he's got ankles made out of rubber. He just really he's just a really exciting player. And you know, you think of Baltimore and the way that they deploy their edge rushers and they just let them pin the ears back and go. This guy would flourish in Baltimore. This is a great scheme fit, a great fit sort of for the personality of the player. I feel. He's a little bit raw in some cases. He struggles with length as well. I think a little bit. I think I saw him struggle against uh, Florida. And against Sadiq Charles, actually, against the LSU Tigers in the 2019 championship game from the SEC. And he seems to struggle against guys with long arms quite a bit. So he'll need to refine that with some more pass rush moves. But super excited about this player. Um, he's an excellent run defender as well and can get skinny through a hole when he's going through the middle as well, when he is deployed through the middle. Um, but yeah, certainly someone who's excited me quite a lot. And I've got a first round grade on him at the minute, which is more than I have for any other edge rusher in this class. 
So yeah, a player that I, I really, really like, and that is Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Um, and the Ravens get an absolute bargain, in my opinion, with that one. I bet you're really looking forward to the edge class on the scouting pod, aren't you, Lee? Yeah, I am. Yeah, because I've, I've obviously been delving into them quite a lot, and uh, yeah, quite good. Uh, quite a few guys that I really like. Quite a few guys who are at the top that I don't like as well. So it might be a bit of a mixed bag um, from the guys that we talk about. But yeah, I am. It's a, it's growing on me. I feel. Um, I feel like it's um, an edge class that we didn't really like towards the start of the season, but now I'm delving a little bit deeper into it. There are a few gems in there, uh, but a lot of sweet spots in the in the second day. I feel for a lot of people who be getting a lot of good players. I think, but yeah. Um is the, the best of the bunch so far for me. Um, and I'm repeating, actually. I'm going over to the Jets at number 27, um, getting my back-to-back pick back from when I traded with Kieran uh, for the Jags pick. And I'm going to go and give Justin Fields some weapons. And we talked about him before on giving him Jalen Waddle. Um, again, it's kind of a bit worrying about the injury. I kind of brought it up with Andy before. Um, slightly worried about that. But at the end of the day, I feel like we've got an elite talent who might outgrow this draft position, outplay this draft position at 27 in the first round. And I think if you're the New York Jets, I think you've got to roll the dice a little bit with talent like that. I don't think you can play it safe. You've got a guy who's a dynamic uh, quarterback now in the building, Justin Fields, from my earlier pick. And now you've got an electric downfield receiver who can not only just take a long ball, but can also take a shot or sorts on and take it to the house. You've already got like your big X receiver, your downfield kind of straight line receiver in Denzel Mims, and now you're going to give him something different. I feel with two wide receivers there that are kind of a little bit different in each other. And I always talk about quarterbacks growing up with these uh, weapons, and I, I think that's quite important that they build that relationship, that chemistry. And I think that you give Justin Fields a chance to do that, giving him wide receiver in in the same draft class in the same round as him, uh, as as he would get in this uh, in this instance. So. Yeah, really happy with this one. Um, I know it's a little bit of a tough one with Alabama wide receivers. Kieran obviously mentioned a lot about them being a track team of wide receivers and whether that translates into the NFL because you know they're playing for Alabama and now he's going to go to a terrible team like the Jets. But you've got to grow up somehow. And I feel like, yeah, that gives him the good, really good chance pairing him with Justin Fields to do so. Um, so, yeah, the best wide receiver available on the board at the minute and a player that I'd be quite happy to take if I was the Jets in this situation. I'll throw it over to Andy at the Steelers, uh, number 28 now. Yep, um, I'm going to give them uh, what they were missing at the weekend. That's a run game uh, with Travis Etienne. Um, yeah, like uh, until last, I don't know, last month or so, probably the consensus uh, RB1, great hands, uh, takes that, um, you know, gives that safety blanket option to Big Ben as he's coming back for one more year. I don't think Big Ben was really the problem at the weekend, was he? Obviously, three horrible picks and then, but then still threw something like 65 times um, and put four picks, all right, <laughs> and then put up uh, like 400 odd yards passing. So, but but for me, they, they could have avoided that by having a run game. James Connor, um, like him as a guy, don't think he's uh, he's probably a, a lead back in this league and the and the various like Benny Snell and stuff behind them. I, I just don't rate at all. So, uh, yeah, another Super Bowl run for them in Big Ben's last year probably, and uh, give them the, the ultimate running back weapon um, other than Najee Harris in this draft. Yeah, fantastic. Like I say, it's a kind of handle fit, really, isn't it, with that team need there, and it was like say evident on the weekend. Um, against the Browns in the, the, the playoff game. Liam, uh, for your last pick of the round, um, we've got you with the Saints at 29. 
Yep. Dressed in gold and black now at number 29. Um, I think the New Orleans are going to rush this um, pick in to get a linebacker and they're going to take Dylan Moses, uh, the Alabama linebacker, um, leading tackler again uh, for the Crimson Tide. Um, just as far again uh, as, as fit goes, I think it's the uh, best player available for a big need uh, for, for New Orleans. Um, they've got some really good and uh, solid uh, leadership uh, guys along the front of uh, the defence and the same in the secondary. I think they need a guy to uh, come in, shore up the middle of the field and uh, the linebacking core and uh, Dylan Moses um, really just looks like a guy that's more than capable of doing that um, as soon as he can. Um, again, like the like the fit and, uh, and the scheme, I um, think that there's space uh, on the Saints defence for them to move him uh, to more of a strong sides linebacker, which I think has been proven this year is going to be the best place to put him in the pros. Um, and yeah, just good on good on all fronts. And uh, I think it's a really good situation for for him as a player as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John's a quite a good linebacking room there as well, and allows them to freshen up a little bit with a bit of youth. Um, yeah, it seemed like um, yeah, it seemed like a really good pairing. And like I say, uh, there's like there's space right along the the linebacking core. I think for him to get some reps early, and um, and I think he's he's proven himself as a guy that can that can do it straight away in a rookie year. Yeah, good pick there for the Saints. Uh, Kieran is up with the Bills at number thirty overall. The Bills select Levi on Wuzuriki. Have I said that right? Yeah, interior defensive good. line uh, of Washington. They need to shore it up with guys like Ed Oliver in there. You know, my favorite part about the Bills this year, despite Josh Allen, has actually been their defensive core. Now, while Ed Oliver and uh, AJ Appenza have been fantastic. Uh, I think they need uh, something a little extra on that line because they might be at, you know, why you might get stopped getting to the second level against guys like Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer, and obviously the consensus number one cornerback in the league right now, Tredavious White out of LSU. Uh, I think they're just going to need something extra on the line because their run defense uh, leaves something to be desired. Uh, and I think that might trip them up. Actually. I hate saying that. Um, out of Washington is probably... Um, he reminds me of Deron Payne almost in the way he sort of like manhandles people. And he, he's not a stat stuffer sort of guy, but he creates a lot of disruption from that position, which allows other guys coming off the edge to make those plays. So w- when we see him... If he falls to the Bills, I think you're going to see a lot of him being used to disrupt. And then Ed Oliver and AJ Penza coming off both sides to put pressure on the quarterback. But also, he's going to be shutting down a lot of runs through the middle. Uh, I, I think that's just the most logical pick for the Bills. I want to get it in the soundbite, though. He is number 17 on the field, number one in our hearts. Josh Allen might be one to give him weapons, uh, but I think with Stefan Diggs uh, and everyone like that, I think this is probably the most sensible pick is for them to go someone to shore up that defensive line. Yeah, don't mind it. Don't mind shoring up the defence. Go ahead, Liam. Make it a really vicious uh, defensive line. I wouldn't want to face wouldn't want to face every guy that you mentioned there lining all of them up on one defensive line. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one to uh, tough one to block. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rob, uh, with the Packers at number 31. 
Uh, yeah, I, I've gone for uh, a tackle, a um, bit of a versatile guy, Rashawn Slater uh, from Northwestern. Didn't play this year, was a, was an opt-out, um, but he had some really nice tape, especially against Chase Young in 2019, uh, obviously second overall pick um, in last year's draft. Um, he was sort of one of the only sort of tackles that kept him at bay that season. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's versatile. Uh, he'll help Aaron Jones out in the running game uh, for the Packers, and obviously give um, uh, you know the MVP one, one of the goats, Aaron Rodgers, um, some, some more time in the pocket. Their, their offensive line is probably their weak point of their team. I like the defense in Green Bay. I like the weapons in Green Bay, and obviously Aaron Rodgers uh, clearly got pissed off uh, when uh, um, who was it they drafted in the first round? I can't, I can't forget his name. Jordan Love, yeah, um, he clearly he clearly was pissed off when he when when he came in, um, and has shown that he's still one of the greatest. But yeah, the O line for for me is one that needs improving, and and Sean Slater is a is a nice versatile guy that will sort of fit in most schemes, um, and yeah, like I said, it will help out Aaron Jones as well. So so solid pick, I think, for them. Yeah, I've got to agree. Obviously, David Bakhtiari obviously coming in injured at the moment. Yeah, um, maybe. You know, he's just had a big deal, so he's not going anywhere anywhere soon. But, you know, if he's bringing a breakdown, you've got a ready-made replacement there, haven't you, already? Yeah, and as I say, he's quite versatile as well. He can kick inside as well. He can also play centre. So he's a guy that, like I said, is really versatile. So he's a nice little weapon to have have there where you can move him around. Yeah, for sure. Um, In the very first mock, Liam, that you and I had Rashawn Slater at number 32, and now he's moved one place and all the offensive tackles have moved. Is that due to him not playing? And what have you done for me lately kind of thing? Or We we called that in September, didn't we? Rashawn Slater as a first rounder. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. Like to what Rob said, he's played all five spots along the O-line. So, yeah, he's going to be really valuable to, to a lot of teams. Like you said, a really good point about being able to just back up veterans and he, I think that was one of the reasons why I liked it as a pick to the Steelers at the time when, that you uh, just referred to that there's guys on that line that can kind of be mentors to him and bring him along even more but yeah he's yeah he's more than capable of being a starter as well I think yeah definitely I'd, I'd consider it a bit of a bargain if he slipped to number 31 to be honest um probably got him above maybe one or two tackles that we've we've taken amongst us but that's just me um, I'll finish us off then with the Chiefs at 32. Hopefully not picking 32. That'd be bloody awful again, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm going to finish us off with not the biggest need for the Chiefs, but I'm going to pick uh, JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa out of Notre Dame. Not the biggest need at linebacker, but none of their linebackers can cover, and JOK can. Um, some people think uh, thinking he might be a bit of a safety in the next level as well, so can rotate around with... Um, Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill as well. And I think it'd be quite a fun piece for the Chiefs to have. But um, also the part of this that made me make this pick was its best player available. I'm kind of looking around when we had this pick and I'm looking at our board as we were doing this because we did this over several days. So you kind of you kind of forget who goes. I'm thinking he's not gone yet. So I'll, I'll take him anyway. You know, even if it's not the, the biggest need for the Chiefs, I'm not saying the linebackers are brilliant. So he, he could play linebacker or safety for this Chiefs team. I feel I don't rate this defense at all. Um, in Kansas City but yeah I was like best player available let's go uh, just take him out there and and uh, yeah finish off uh, with another bargain as I just said with Rashawn Slater I think it's another bargain at 32 for, for JLK go on then uh, yeah you beat me to it I was going to joke about uh, a safety making the first round um, <laughs> but, uh, um, they took uh, Willie Gay last year didn't they as well so you got two 
crazy fast mental uh, wide linebackers there paired up that's going to be a that's going to be a fun fun defense to watch with those two out there on either side hmm. they still don't got any corners that can cover at this point but you know that's not bad for the Chiefs of the Chargers one yeah. <laughs> it's probably why they won't be picking at 32 hopefully not yeah <laughs> uh, but that's enough of my bitterness towards the Kansas City Chiefs anyway yeah that rounds us up for uh, for the first round um, so Rob, just as you're going through on that sheet there, you've kind of give us a bit of a breakdown of the positions that have been taken. Do you want to take us through that? Uh, yeah, so um, what we should do, reverse, reverse to first. So one one defensive tackle, um, one tight end, two running backs, three cornerbacks, three linebackers. Um, um, yeah, so what I said earlier about it not being a very defensive sort of first round, like I said, like I said three linebackers, three cornerbacks, um, one defensive tackle. There's, you know, uh, and the edge rushes, there's four edge rushes. So uh, seven, 10, 11, 11 out of 32 defensive players. Is that right? In my maths, right? Um, very offensive, heavy first round. Four quarter, quarterbacks all went in the top 10. Two running backs, like I said. Um Seven offensive tackles, depending on which way you take um, Elijah Vera Tucker as a, a tackle or a guard. Um, it's either six or seven tackles, which is the, the by far the most. Um, two to th- two or three uh, offensive li- interior offensive linemen uh, and five wide receivers. Um, so yeah, offensive tackle and wide receivers are are kind of the the mainstays in this first round. Yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a more of a mixed first round than what we've done in the past I feel I think we've yeah. got some guys rising to the top in, in certain positions and uh, kind, kind of reversal really because um, our corners as Kieran mentioned earlier yeah. it, was, uh, it was a lot wasn't it and we've now gone yeah. down to three although I feel like we've got a lot in our second round and just mentioning that second round we are actually working our way through a third round at the minute and the second and third round of this will be up on the website on fulltimeyards.com in, in due course when we've got that finished that'll be probably on the weekend or, uh, or early part of next week uh, when we kind of get that uh, finish amongst the five of us and get that uh, typed up as well and put on the website. But yeah, yeah. Um, go with Fulton Yards in the next few days to have a look at that uh, once you've listened to this podcast for the first round. Yep. Spoiler alert, there's seven cornerbacks in the uh, in the second round. In the second, so. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Shows that we, we're, we're not sort of too low on those guys after we've taken 10 amongst the, the first round. Anyone got any comments or anything like that before we before we get out of here? Anyone got anything they want to say about any of the picks? Anyone that they've got sniped from by one of us and want to call us out? Anything at all? Well, quite a few guys uh, fell out of the... Like, it'd just be good to put them side by side with the one we did earlier in the season. Quite a few guys falling out of that, wasn't there? And, I don't know, Marvin Wilson, who we talked about on this week's scouting podcast, uh, sticks out, was one, Pat Frymouth is another... Um, yeah, so, so changing uh, changing landscape. Be interesting to see if that changes again um, pre-draft. Just looking, just very quickly um, off the top of my head, I think um, the lowest now we, I think Josh Myers' centre from Iowa State was in the first round originally uh, when we first did it, and he's currently just been drafted at eighty-four by us in the third round. So that's quite the fall. Um, a couple of other names in the third round that were in the first. Last time around, Jay Tufeli, the, the, the defensive tackle, um, and uh, Jevon Holland, the safety. I think he was in the first round last time as well. 
yeah. we really disrespected centers because Creed Humphrey fell to the third as well. And I kept yeah. trying to find a spot for him all the way through the, and I couldn't. And then I just finally just said, right, yeah. I'll, I'll just send him where I send him. <laughs> it's really bizarre because it, like I said to you at the time, like he's in my spoiler alert, my mock draft will come out this week and he's in my first round. So yeah, it's bizarre how he yeah. fell down. Yeah. He's a first rounder. Well, we just didn't find a home for him as early mm. as we should have done. Which happens. It does happen in the draft. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, um, obviously you know, we've got a lot of draft content coming out over the next few weeks and months. Obviously we've got Rob's uh, draft uh, mock draft coming up in the next few days by the sounds of things. As mentioned, that second and third round of this mock draft will come onto the website as well and keep that company. So uh, yeah, I feel for all that coming out as well as uh, quite a lot of other stuff from us with regards to the draft. Um, we'll whip around the table very quickly before we get out of here. We'll give out some handles and then we'll, we'll get off. And you'll be able to join us uh, very, very soon for the scouting podcast where we're covering interior defensive linemen this week to back up our uh, interior offensive linemen that we did last week. Kieran, I'll start with you at the top of my screen. Give us out some handles so we can get out of there. At DCCYT Football on Twitter, still arguing with Steelers fans every day. <laughs> and Liam, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Loads of uh, NFL, loads of college football, everything. I work with uh, full 10 yards. So, um, I've now completed my first college football season with you guys. Uh, so thanks very much for having me. It's been great. And uh, yeah, at Liam66NFL on Twitter. It's certainly not over yet, my friend. Um, Andy, what about you? Yeah, AJ Moore 21 or Dolphin UK underscore pod for a daily Dolphins fan breakdown of the quarterback and tour and yeah, drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if for anyone that Andy was mentioned just before we came on, for anyone who wants to listen to it, because I think I might give a listen to it even though I'm not Dolphins fan, some uh, Deshaun Watson versus tour arguments going on over there by the sounds of things. Sounds like compelling listening. Yeah, yeah, very uh, heated in places, but uh, yes, yeah, some of us keen for an elite quarterback, some of us keen to develop another elite quarterback, so plenty to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Tune into that one. And Rob, what about yourself? Uh, you find me on the Twitter at FFBritBaller, and yeah, like I alluded to a couple of times, my uh, mock draft 2.0 will be out um, at the end of this week, so go check that out on the website. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go over there and have a look at it once uh, that goes up. And for myself, at Wakefield90 on Twitter, um, been mainly just talking about draft now. Um, it's charge of season's over. Looking forward to the draft and, and, and spending that time with you guys over the next uh, three months. So, yeah, stick with us and um, stick with us on the scouting podcast as well, because that's where we're going to be mainly heading over to and, and doing a lot of our work now as the, as the regular college football season is over. Um, so, yeah, stick with us. But thanks for listening to this one. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.